somebody said an accurate view of God as Trinity is the foundation upon which we can worship each of the three persons of the Godhead. For example, if the Son is a created being subordinate to the Father, we have no justification for worshiping him. But to Oscar's point in John chapter 4, it says, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And there's two connotations that are attached to this. One, we can be honest before God, right? I don't need to hide anything. I can be straightforward. I can be very direct in reverence of who God is. But the most important aspect of that scripture is having a correct understanding of who God is in totality biblically. If we're going to worship God correctly, well, then we must worship him for who he is exactly. Because God is seeking after those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It has been my lifelong passion, friends, to somehow find a way to accurately define the term euphoric bliss. I mean, just listen to the sound of that, euphoric bliss. But how do you define it? And I haven't been able to do it until recently, friends. Success had utterly eluded me until now, because recently that all changed. I can now define for you euphoric bliss in one simple word. Lucy! <laughs> I wonder where you were going with this. You're reminding me of my, uh, we had an assistant principal uh, years ago when I was in high school. His name was Bliss, and he was a little nuts. Was that really his last name? Yeah. Oh, and he, he was cool just, he would creep up behind students and scream at them from behind. Is he, the one, that, is he the one who's, who's, who grabbed your foot and you kicked him in the face? No, that was Bill Brittenden. He had one, of, <laughs> one of his eyes was facing another direction. It was kind of scaring me into his office. But yeah, Mr. Bliss, Guy Bliss was his name. He terrified the whole school. Really? And uh, Yeah. So, what, so I just, he was I, the opposite of his name. Yeah, I've never thought of it before, but um, yeah. So you're talking about Lucy. You made my heart Lucy! melt. Lucy! <laughs> oh, you guys, seriously. For those who don't know, Easy is a big I Love Lucy fan, watches regularly. <laughs> hey, Lucy, get over here, Lucy. Is that good, uh, Ricky? Uh, no, no, I've heard no, better. Lucy, what are you talking about? Ray, Ray does a really good Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> You're Lucy. <laughs> oh, Wheezy. Oh, that was a bad Wheezy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but I, I got to tell you guys, man, I, I can't explain it. You know, our dog Willow now uh, will be three, December 1st, which is Sue, my mother-in-law's birthday. And I, I forgot the preciousness, first of all, of a puppy, just in general, mm. right? I mean, just their puppy breath and their little... But then you add to that the, the most adorable looking little puppy I've ever seen in my life. Ray, what's the deal with Lucy? So Ray got a new dog. New got a new dog. Sam passed on. Lucy took over. And, uh, <laughs> and she's such a healing for me because I was really, really beside myself for a couple of days. You know, it's just a dog, but we just been thousands of hours together you know so uh, sam let me just say just to give honor to sam for a moment sam is a living legend well sorry not living anymore (laughs) (laughs) too soon soon. that was totally accidental the late sam sam was a living legend right i mean millions of people around the world know sam and ray i i read some of the comments uh, i believe on the podcast but but after he passed i mean the outpouring of of comments from people and their yeah. love for Sam and yeah it was wonderful so yeah so uh, my friend um, Yale said I'll build a, a a platform on your bike for you so Sam can go onto it so I have to wait for him to grow or her for for her to grow so I can put her on and I says please hurry because I'm riding the bike and just about bursting huh. into tears without the dog in front of me after all yeah. this time so we did it and so I've taken her out five times on the bike and she's starting to love it 
first wow, time was so kind cool. of scary for her. Yeah. You know, and is she getting, staying put though? She's staying put and she's actually putting a two paws over the front, which shows me she's relaxed. So, wow. Yeah. And uh, I just got to get her used to traffic because on the way to local college, there's fire engines, there's ambulances, there's 18 wheelers, there's all sorts yeah. of stuff going on and honking and people yelling. And I wanted to get used to that. You got to find her the right pair of sunglasses too. Yeah. Well, she's so tiny. Oh, did uh, you ever use that one pair you're working no, on? I worked on them, but I put them on her and they just Didn't wouldn't, work. wouldn't work. So I've got to wait for her to grow into the glasses. Yeah. Oh boy! But her colorings, Ray. She's her, beautiful. She's just a little puffball of. Does she <laughs> have blue eyes? No, she but doesn't. No, they're really, really interesting color. They're yeah. kind of a yeah. They're like a light brown. Yeah, light brown sort of a color. Yeah, but she she is absolutely adorable, and I think I think she's going to get more attention than Sam even did. I think so too. Um, too so, soon. I, I got to say that no, she, no, no. she's she's a hundred times more intelligent than Sam. Sam had the looks, but she's got the brains. <laughs> and I've already taught her to sit and lie down, fetch a ball, and she's only ten weeks old. Yeah, and she she instantly sits when I even just say down she goes. Because she's an Australian sheepdog, part poodle, mm. part sheepdog. So super intelligent. One of the ways that I knew how much you loved Sam is that every time you walked out of Mark's office and closed his door, I'd hear you whisper, why can't he be more like Sam? <laughs> <laughs> so Lucy's not going to get very tall? About the same size as Sam. So you're going to see eye to eye. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was waiting for that one. Um, You've been speaking again, Ham. So yeah, she's a mini. She's a mini Aussie Doodle, which means you know they take a Australian Shepherd, mix it with a standard Poodle, you know the big ones. Then they take that that puppy, that puppy or that and grown then they dog, shrink it, <laughs> put it in a shrink machine, and then they mix it with a small Poodle. So that's why it's a mini. So you'll that's get crazy. a you'll get so she should be fifteen to twenty pounds, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, adorable dog. And her intelligence, Ray, you mentioned it, because remember I was at your house and you closed the gate to that one part of your backyard? <laughs> and then she, she figured out how to go around all of these plants. I mean, you can't see an opening, but she figured it out, goes through the opening. When you say she figured it out, she figured it out instantly. The other yeah. day, I said, you're behind the gate, close the gate, she's out there behind me, <laughs> just like an Australian sheepdog. Yeah. They're very, very quick. And she's got an instinct to herd. How is she with the chickens? Yeah. She's really good. Yeah, she loves really? chicken. Yeah, and Ray, are she you loves to eat them or to <laughs> herd them? Of course, Ray comes yeah, out. All the chickens the chi- are he, gone. She hears the chickens all the time. She herds them. And Ray, are you a believer now in crate training your dog? Oh, I'm so pleased you guys encouraged me into that <laughs> because yeah, when I want to go out for two hours, I had to. I went out this morning. I just put her in the crate, closed it. She's no whining. She stays in the crate till I get home because I've trained her to do that. Yeah. At first, she didn't like it, but now she sees it as a place of security. In yeah. fact, Sue just told me she went home and uh, twice Lucy went into the crate by herself and just sat down. Then she closed the door. Yeah, she, Willow does that too. They, it becomes their refuge yeah. and they, they really feel secure in there. And Ethan so. does that. My son. <laughs> <laughs> goes in the crate. Yeah. Have you found a crate big enough for him? Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends. Here's a very interesting comment from El Marquismo, and it says, need Oscar to translate. Yo si inglés, pero prefer yo Oscar lir con voz de macho en vez de easy con voz de un Emily. I read in German. Easy convulsions. I saw that. But I did hear Oscar macho. Is that what it was? I saw Emily in there. Did that sound German, Ray? No. Yo si inglés, pero prefer Oscar lir con. Did you translate it? No, I didn't. You're supposed to translate. Oh, it. I, you know what I coffee. did? I did translate, but I don't have it with me now. I thought you were going to translate. Yeah, I just used Google Translate. Oh, you saw that one? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh. I'd like to hear Jesus wept in German. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me see. Hold on one second. 
Um, you know, my mind went back to the guy in Israel on the Sea of Galilee doing his nice, clean, yes, that's right. Um, Jesus wept. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You got me wheezing. So, so to our uh, listeners in Germany, I'm so sorry about that. Our former listeners <laughs> yeah, really. in Germany. All right. Well, Oscar, you'll have to translate that one, and we'll have to read it on the uh, Actually, on the it was to our, our listener in Although, Germany. wait, they did get into English uh, at the end. They said, uh, it all made sense. It clicked, and I've been following Living Water since and witnessing as such. I enjoy Easy's funny accent, Ray's and Oscar's jokes, and Mark's rare display of excitement about the kids or Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> Hasta luego. Hasta luego? Hasta luego. El Marquesimo. Is right. Wiener Schnitzel German? Is what? Wiener Schnitzel yes. German. So, yeah. yeah der, well, it shows how much we love German. Where's the dirt? Did they drop the dirt? Yeah, because it's too close to dirt. <laughs> dirt Wiener Schnitzel? Mm. All right, friends. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing for lunch, Mark? This episode is brought to you by Tough Questions Course, the Apologetics Made Simple Course, five-session study. Mark Ray and I are in this. We did not include Oscar. I think this was pre-Oscar days. Maybe, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe not. It wasn't created. Um, you'll discover answers to questions such as who made God? Why is there suffering and evil? How can a loving God send someone to hell? Isn't the Bible filled with contradictions? And many others. It includes five sessions, 25 minutes long on three DVDs. And there is also a mp4 digital version so make sure to check it out along with as always the evidence bible at livingwaters.what mark come come by the way i think this episode should be brought to us by the what is it movie oh tell us about the what is it movie oscar i would love to but mark seems like he wants to Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i only produced it i don't yeah no i mean i what, what do we say i go to uh livingwaters.com forward slash what is it to watch uh, the trailer. Basically, we hit the streets and we engaged in conversation with people concerning the common objections to the pro-life movement. But once you answer the question, what is inside the womb, then now we can determine what we can do with it. It's our next uh, film dealing with uh, abortion. We've been working on it for a very long time, and it's got some incredible stuff in it. Um, I am so excited for this to go live on YouTube. But before it does that, yeah, like Mark said, you can go to livingwaters.com backslash what is it, and you can actually help us get involved with the What Is It movie. Uh, we have a, a special bundles that you can participate by ordering the special edition download. You will get to see an unedited version of the movie, What Is It? Because when we put it up on YouTube, there are certain things that we can't show. On top of that, you can get a study guide. And if you partner with us, you can even be invited to a red carpet premiere where Mark will put on an interpretive dance, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I'm going to have to borrow Easy's hula hoop. <laughs> I'll give you Oscar's tutu. For that yeah, much. you can borrow it. It's at the dry cleaner right now. Yeah. I've got to think of another word for backslash. It sounds like scourging. It's forward slash, actually. Is it forward slash? Yeah, it's forward slash. No. One of the slashes. Yeah. Try slash, them both. Slash, Try them slash. Both. Ray, what are you eating, Ray? Chocolate. <laughs> what is he always I eating? was leaning back from the mic so no one would know. Actually, that sounds good. I didn't even have breakfast today. All right, friends. Today we're talking about a topic that has been the source of much consternation. Ooh. You like that word today, Oscar? I do. The topic is called, is the Trinity biblical? Yeah. Of course. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Next question. <laughs> See you next time. Yeah, today we're talking about the Trinity and this, for me, guys, was a real passion when I first came to Christ. When I first became a believer, I was in that place where I had been deceived by the false teachings of Catholicism, and I wanted to be certain that, what are you doing, Ray? 
Classic Ray Comfort. <laughs> Bro, can, someone, Alexander? can someone please get the high chair? <laughs> <laughs> and the straight jacket, please. Ray, you're always telling us to turn off her phone. What just happened? Yeah, what happened? Alexander, know, phone's off, was, Ray. I thought it was turned off. Right? Alexander, phone's off. I okay. don't know what happened. I apologize. So as I was saying, I, I, I really wanted to have integrity in what I claimed to believe. Mm. You know, there's an interesting saying we say, you have to know what you believe, but how can you believe what you don't know? That's right. good. You know what I'm saying? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you just say, easy. So I, I really began to explore the tenets of, of Christianity, and I began to look at other cults and false religions that claim to be Christian. I was saying, okay, well, what do they have to say, and how do I know? And so I really dove into the nature of God. That, for me, was, was the most important thing of all. If you don't have the right God, then how can you have the salvation that that right God gives? You're dealing with a different God. And so the Trinity became a, a big part of my exploration as a new Christian. In fact, the first Bible study I ever taught, I was four and a half months old in the Lord, I taught on John 1, the deity of Christ. Because and that was in the backyard days, wasn't it? That was. 29 mm-hmm. years ago, I believe. Uh, yeah, that well, was around that time, yeah. I mean, I was only four and a half months old in the Lord. And, six uh, years old on earth. Yeah, <laughs> mucho perdido. So that became a big passion for me. So let, let's jump into it, guys. Why, why is the Trinity such a problem for so many people? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Well, let me pick up on on what you just said, because I 100% agree with you. And I actually think that a part of knowing God is knowing the Trinity. So Isaac Watts said, it is not to be expected that we should love God supremely if we have not known him to be more desirable than all other things. And the idea there is that our hearts are made for him. Yeah. And the Trinity, unfortunately, even for those of us, I love the way you you put that in your exploration of the Trinity, because I'm my, my story is similar. I think a lot of times that the Trinity just kind of becomes this check mark box. Like let's all agree to it. It's a way to st- distinguish ourselves amongst other believers of other faiths, but we don't really know much about it. We we can't imagine there to be much self-gain other than a, a way for us to wave a flag to say that we're in the club of Christianity, right? Yeah. The details of the Trinity seems like it's meant to be left for theologians. But if you think about that, I love the way Michael Reeves says this in his book, Delighting in the Trinity. He says that we wax lyrically the beauty of the gospel without ever knowing the God of whom the gospel belongs to. Mm. And a part of understanding Part of becoming Christians is knowing the beauty and the glory and the goodness of God. And you can do that when you know God as a Trinitarian God that he is. I love Psalm 27, verse four. I have asked one thing from the Lord. This is David. What is the one thing he's asking from the Lord? 
It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I got to say something. That's Scotty's song. Is it? Oh, yes. Shall I sing it? Yes. One thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek out of the Lord all the days of my life. I hope it's better when he sees it. To behold the beauty, we can edit this, right? The <laughs> beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the Lord. Ah, that yes. was so good. Is that Scotty's version? No. Yes. Uh, yeah, but Scotty always says the beginning should be different. I think he says it should be one thing. Have I, or something like that. Yes. Scotty, Scotty wants to run out of that room right now. <laughs> he does. And punch me in the face for Guys, my horrible if, if rendition if, of his song. If you've song. never heard the, the true version, you can find it online on YouTube. And it's um, by Scotty. Who's it by? Can you jump in? Yeah, Scotty. Bring your audio. Bring in your audio into the studio, Scotty. He's yeah, asleep. Maranatha music. Yeah. yeah. Maranatha Pretty music. Sick. Yeah, Scotty. Sorry for butchering your no, song. No, Scotty's out recovered from his. his you can still hear the tears dripping down. His ears down are still bleeding. Seven, he says. Pray seven. Uh, so, as I was saying, about <laughs> <laughs> the glory of God. Uh, another, just one other verse, and then we can we can talk about the details of the Trinity. Uh, Psalm eighty four. I love Psalm eighty four, verses one to three. Right. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home in a swallow, a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of hosts. Mm. Then he goes on to say, how happy are those who reside in your house? I love this because it's like he's looking up at the house of the Lord and he sees a sparrow building a home there. And he's like, look, even the sparrow knows your beauty. I think so often when we talk about the Trinity, we talk about it as though like, I just need to know the right answers. I need to know what not to say. I need to make sure I check mark the box. Yeah. But to really know God is to gaze upon his beauty in the same way that these psalmists did. Amen. That was really good, Oscar, but I'm never going to forget what easy just did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Oh man. Somebody said an accurate view of God as Trinity is the foundation upon which we can worship each of the three persons of the Godhead. For example, if the Son is a created being subordinate to the Father, we have no justification for worshiping Him. But to Oscar's point in John chapter 4, it says, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And there's two connotations that are attached to this. One, we can be honest before God, right? I don't need to hide anything. I can be straightforward. I can be very direct in reverence of who God is. But the most important aspect of that scripture is having a correct understanding of who God is in totality biblically. If we're going to worship God correctly, well, then we must worship Him for who He is exactly, because God is seeking after those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Yeah, and Ray, there are certain doctrines in Scripture that we don't necessarily prefer or or are comfortable with or understand. I mean, we can take hell as one example, and, and... that's not something I would conjure up or would want to exist, but we have to yield to God's word. And the Trinity, it, it, it's its not an easy doctrine to wrap our heads around. we I love to simplify, right? God, one person, 
Why are we talking about the, the, the you know, the three persons uh, existing? I'm saying I prefer one person, right? I'd love to say, oh, God is one person. But we know that God is three persons, uh, according to what Scripture reveals, that shares in the same substance or essence, which is God. One God and three distinct persons. But we have to yield to Scripture, not to what we feel. Absolutely. And there's one cult that really denies the Trinity. It's Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. I had an interesting experience about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was at a local college speaking with some girl, and she denied the existence of hell. She said, I said, do you think afterlife, do you think it's an afterlife? She says, yeah, but I don't believe in hell. I said, you don't? I said, do you respect Jesus? She says, yeah, I respect Jesus. I said, Jesus said, if your hand offends you, cut it off, etc. you're yeah. going to go to hell. She says, I respect Jesus, but I still don't believe in hell. Hmm. So I thought, I'm giving up here. I'm going to change the subject because we're, we're doing a video on Christmas. I said, well, do you believe in Christmas? She says, I don't. I don't celebrate any of the holidays. And I said, you're Jehovah's Witness? And she said, yes. I said, why don't you tell me at the beginning? I would have known where we're going with this. <laughs> so I said, there's a knife in back, three minutes to live, help me. How can I enter the kingdom? And she says, I can't help you. I, I said again and again, help me. I've got one minute to live. Please, how can I enter the kingdom? She couldn't help me. And it uh -huh. shows up, shows where Jehovah's Witnesses are at with their bad doctrine, mm, their yeah. lack of understanding of who God is and the nature of their own sins. Yeah. And I uh, went through the commandments, but the, my point is this. After I went through the commandments, went through the gospel, she understood, she appreciated it, and she took literature from my hands wow. as a Jehovah's Witness. And that, that really is a wow. That's nearly miraculous. Yeah. Because yeah. It, that's a part of the control within Jehovah's Witnesses. And we will talk about Jehovah's Witnesses on one of the podcasts, but they, they don't allow them to take literature from others. So I feel like we're circling the drain what is the Trinity? How yeah. do you explain so, Trinity? So, yeah, yeah. and get wait, there. before you even go there, what, why do we believe in the Trinity? The word's not even in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, right. I, well, do we want to go over objections now or uh, defining Trinity? Well, we're using the word Trinity like it's no big deal, but yeah, it's not found so, in the Bible. I thought you guys only believe what Yeah, yeah. so let me, let me jump in on that there. You know, James White has, has a great message on, on YouTube about the Trinity. And he says, look, where, where do we find the Trinity in the Bible? He said as a new believer, he, he cracked open the concordance and uh, he tried to find the word and realized, oh wait, the word's not there. He said, where you find the Trinity, he said, if you open up your Bible to where the Old Testament ends and the New Testament begins, whether Matthew was the first written or not, there's a dispute between that or Mark, but let's just say, he said, the Trinity is found in the gutter of the Bible, the, the, right between the Old and the New Testament, in that the early believers experienced the fullness of the Trinity before they even began to pen the words of the New Testament. They experienced Christ in his deity. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. They experienced reconciliation you know, with, with the Father. And so that's where it, it was an experiential truth and reality and doctrine. And that's why there are times when it's like, if we have a conversation as James White pointed out, and we know each other, and we bring something up. If I say, we're hanging out and I say wheezy, right? Immediately you guys know what wheezy is about because we, you have background and understanding. I don't need yeah. to get into the nuances and the details. You know it. And so that's a lot of what was going on in the early church. They had experienced Christ in, in, in who he was. They experienced the Spirit. They experienced the Father. They, they were steeped in Trinitarian doctrine. Yeah, I would answer it like this, which is one, we have to recognize that yes, the distinct 
word Trinity is not found in the Bible, and it's not actually used until the late second century, about 150 years after Jesus. But Trinitarian language is all over the Old and the New Testament. Right. From Genesis chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 11, in the Old Testament, over a hundred times is there a reference to God being a Trinitarian God. In the New Testament, we see it right away in John 1, 1 a continuation. We see Jesus, a continuation of the Old Testament by saying that he is the I am, the rock in the wilderness, the one who saved Israel from Egypt. And so for me, it's it's like this. If I were to say to you, four plus two. Six. Six. Yeah, I was going to say that. You could say <laughs> there's no six in there. Right. But four plus two is six. Yeah. Right. And oh, so in good. that same way, is is there if if you're taking like if you want to be a, a literal fundamentalist to the extreme, is there the word Trinity in the Bible? No, but the totality of the Trinity is in the Bible in the same way that four plus two. There's no six there, but the totality, the the summary is four plus two equals six. Right. In that That's same so way, the Trinity is all over the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. That. That's so. That's good. really good, Oscar. And you know, it's, it's also been said. Was uh, that original Oscar? I have no idea. you know it's also been said right the word bible isn't even in the bible and so those that'll come out say the trinity isn't in the bible so you believe that says the bible yes well show me the word bible in the bible right macaroni Uh, and cheese isn't in the bible either it doesn't mean it doesn't exist winter sensible not in the bible but it's given i knew the can of worms is can of worms in the bible (laughs) 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 okay so so here's the thing yeah oscar you nailed it right does the bible teach the doctrine of the Trinity. Even though man has has coined a, a term to define what the Bible teaches, doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't teach that because of the, the, right. the term. And so, so yeah, so first question is, what does the Bible say about the nature of God? We know clearly that the Bible teaches that God is one, right? Deuteronomy 6, 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Shema, this is probably the, the most oft-quoted scripture by godly Jews, right? They would, they would do it regularly, uh, and it's a declaration of the oneness of God. And Ray, that's a big deal because obviously Abraham was called amid massive polytheism and paganism and idolatry when God called him. Yes. <laughs> True. So that was, well a big, that was a big deal in that God's people were distinct from the polytheistic religions that were around them. Yeah, and like I've always said, that man has an attraction to uh, idolatry because it has no moral dictate. Yeah. And so when God gave his law to, to Moses, he revealed himself as being the one God, the creator of the universe. It's funny, people say, you know, there's so many different gods. Who will I choose? You know, lots of gods. It says there's only one creator, mm. one creator, and that's what the Bible says. That's who the Bible says revealed himself to Moses on the Mount Sinai. Yeah, amen. So obviously the Old Testament makes it clear. I mean, that was the foundation for uh, Judaism, that there is one God. I mean, that was unheard of in that time. What do you mean one God? Everyone worshiped multiple gods. There may have been one or two kind of insignificant religions that existed that maybe claimed monotheism, but but they were almost unheard of. How do you know that? Because I've heard of it. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Make me. And then the New Testament reiterates that, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. And this is pretty amazing. James White points this out as well, that he's basically using kind of the Shema formulation and including Christ in that. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the thought of that, we get, we get desensitized to some of the stuff said about Christ. I mean, 
that some of these things would be utter blasphemy. Some of the things Christ said about himself yeah. and what and what was said. Unless about you right. believe that he is, you will die in your sins. We have the seven ego ami statements of yeah. uh, John's gospel. He's, he's the door. He's the shepherd. He's the way. He's the truth and the life. He's the vine. He, I don't know what else I left no. off, but <laughs> he says, unless you believe that he is, you will die. And he's it is an echo from Exodus three three fourteen. Mm. Where he's the one that was that revealed himself in the burning bush to Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. That's right. I am. I am. So okay, we see that scripture talks about there being one God, but then we see in scripture three distinct persons yeah. that are called God. And it's important to go ahead. Do we do we put a stumbling block in the hands of Orthodox Jews when we talk about the Trinity? I mean, is the Trinity something we need to? talk about immediately while talking to an Orthodox Jew or anyone for that matter? I don't believe so. Right. But I think that when you start getting into Christology and talking about the Messiah and his nature and his, I mean, especially if you get into, you know, different Old Testament passages, yeah. uh, I'm thinking of Isaiah 9, 6, you know, and, and the, the the identity of of Christ, right? Being God there and, and other verses. I mean, it's it's huge. So if you Micah, come back to, if, I, I, maybe I was quoting the wrong one. Micah as well talks about Christ and his nature. Go ahead, sorry. If you've got a reasonable Jew, someone who's godly, fears God and esteems the scriptures, I think you could make a proof for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So to, well, to summarize. So, well, so then I was going to say, so then you see three distinct persons that are called God. Obviously the father, but then you see the son is called God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Jehovah's Witnesses have tried to twist this into a God, but it, it's just impossible. No Greek scholar would ever do that. It's, a, it's atrocious translation. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into, were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And so, you know, that, that, that's just one well, of many other verses. I just love that, that um, almost superfluous statement, all things were made by him. You could stop there. Yeah. There was nothing made that was made that, didn't, that he didn't make. It's like, yeah. I'm hitting this hammer home. Double down, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's one thing. We talked about Mormonism on a previous uh, podcast, and that's the one, one thing you can ask Mormons. Well, if Jesus is saying here, nothing was made that was made apart from him. If he is a created being, then how could that even be? Mm. You know? That's good. So, so yeah, so, so there's a lot more to fill in there, but, but I wanna, want you to Well, I love to the way you put it, because it's, it, it's uh, uh, regularly described as understanding God's nature, what God is, and God's person, who he is. And, oh. and you did a great job. There is one divine nature, one divine essence, one divine being, one divine substance, three divine persons, yeah. Three personal, distinct, interrelated, one God. And, and, you know, the general summary, I think it's the Westminster Catechism. There is one and only one true and living God. This one God eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three persons are completely equal in attributes, each with the same divine nature. And while each person is fully and completely God, the persons are not identical. That's how the, yeah. the catechism is. Really, really well it. put. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to reinforce that, so John 1 1 obviously calls Jesus God. To say that he's a God would fly in the face of all else that scripture reveals. We'd be worshiping a, an other God besides a true and, and living God. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite passages to go to in, in demonstrating the deity of Christ is John 20, 27 to 29. This is with Thomas. And Jesus said to him, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands mm. and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. 
And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I remember pulling that text out for a Jehovah's Witness and they said, oh yeah, well, he was blaspheming. Yeah. Well, I go, wait, wait, what? Yeah, and Jesus doesn't correct him. Yeah, he looked at Jesus and said, my Lord, and then he goes, oh my, G-O-D. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> so what a, what, a, what a wonderful truth came from such a dark character as Thomas, who yeah. is filled with unbelief, brings out the, the brilliant sunlight of that truth. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and guys, I, I'd love to just pause there for, for a quick second and just... Okay. <laughs> Why sh- One I should pause. expect we'll, we'll no, clowning no, around from you guys. Shh, shh, shh. I'll just... Okay. Okay, play. All right. Play? Yeah, <laughs> play. we're good now. All right. But I want us to talk about that. How awful would it be for us putting our trust in someone with the entirety of our lives, with our sins, with our, our weaknesses and brokenness, with our eternity, if they weren't God? Mm. I mean, how, how crazy would that be? Right. You can only trust someone as much as you know them, right? I mean, when you start talking about God and the character and the nature of God, and we talk about the word Trinity not found inside the Bible, but all the characteristics, all the attributes shared, intermixed between all of them, um, we begin to get a a very clear picture. If you're going to make a pursuit in life, why not make a pursuit of knowing God better? Mm. I mean, let him who glories glory in this, that he knows me. Yeah. That he understands me. So the Trinity is a, it's not a peripheral issue that we can discard and leave it to Oscar's point for the theologians. It, it is something that we need to deal with on the regular, because if you're going to boast greater than the next, if you would, then draw near to the true and the living God. Get to know him as the omnipotent, the omniscient one. Get to know him as the holy one. Get to know him as the creator and the forgiver of sins, the light, the king. He is altogether different and separate than anything we can ever imagine because because he's not a thing, Mm. right? And often we see this with the Holy Spirit, referred to as a force, right? And, and, And he's not. He's yeah. a person. Yeah. I also think here's where the rubber meets the road in the sense that the Trinity isn't just this obscure ivory tower theology that we all need to check mark. It actually informs our discipleship, our understanding of each other, of the way the world has been created. And from an apologetics level, it's incredibly applicable because one of the common objections that are out there now is God the Father is some uh, cosmic child abuser. Yeah. How could he do this to his own son? But God himself took on the fullness of the wrath of God. Right. It is not a third entity or a being. It is God himself, the son, took on the fullness of the wrath of God, which reminds me of Bruce Shelley's quote in the way that he opens my favorite book on church history, Church History in Plain Language. He says that Christianity is the only major religion to have at its central event the humiliation of its God. That's oh, Jesus that he's talking very good. about. That's amazing. You know, someone, Todd Friel, sent me Handel's Messiah yesterday, and it was one of those flash mob things, you know, where you get some, the, someone comes out into a local square and just starts playing a cello, and it's just yeah. like deploring, depressing. Mm. Then someone joins with a violin and then more. And I only, I only got halfway through it because I just burst into tears. I oh. just could not handle it. And if I'd been there, I would have burst because there's such a gratitude that overtakes me. I can't express it. Yeah. And understanding the deity of Christ, well, who can understand it, just sends me, gives me goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. Absolute and, goosebumps. And that hope and that confidence that, that he is God. You know, 
you reference the humiliation of Christ. I mean, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, mm. this is actually believed to have been one of the earliest hymns of the church. And it's called the Carmen Christi, the hymn to Christ as God. And you think of the words in there, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. And and the, the deep and rich theology that's being taught here about who Christ is, existing in the form of God, he didn't consider it something to be grasped. It's been translated in other translations or to be held on to mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. but he willingly let it go, not in that he he ceased being God or that he gave up all of his prerogatives as God, but that he laid them aside yeah, so and the, the use of them and then became a man. And then, I mean, this is where I, I just get blown <laughs> away. God becoming a man yeah. and, and then subjecting himself to the torture and torment of his own creation. Yeah. You know, the, the thought, what we're talking about isn't fast food theologically. It's, it's a great feast yeah. in the sense that I have so many Christians, when I say Jesus is God, will come back. No, he was the son of God. Mm. They don't understand that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that God was manifest in the flesh, yeah. as scripture says. And they that, went, and remember, and John, they went to stone Jesus when he called himself the son of God, because they understood that that meant he was making himself equal with God, right? Which meant he shared in the essence and nature of yeah. God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. Uh, Ray, you reminded me earlier when you mentioned like understanding God, and then you kind of correcting yourself, well, you said something like, well, who can understand, right? And And you reminded me that when God saved me, you know, I had a really long year of just wrestling with, with my newfound faith coming from atheism. And one of the things that I always thought misunderstood that I thought that like, if, if God can so easily be defined, it's like, I'm a fish in a fishbowl. There's nothing fun to explore. There's no mystery to it. And I remember this one night that I was out, I think it was in uh, Huntington beach or Newport beach somewhere middle of the night by myself, walked out onto the sand, met some stranger, had a brief conversation. We started talking about God because I was like just trying to explore him in, in every way possible. But at one point I'm staring at the calm. It was a calm night, the calmness of the water. And I remember thinking to myself like fish in a fish pond, but here's this ocean that we know less than 3% of. And I'm watching it reflect the stars above me. Hmm of a, a galaxy that I know very little of. And the, one of the few verses I knew popped in my mind, which is that he holds it all in the palm of his hand. And so ultimately realizing that we get to glimpse the glory of God. Hmm. We get a brief understanding of the cosmic awesomeness, that word should only be his, the cosmic awesomeness of who God is. We are like, these doctrines are not there to confine us, but to give us just the tiniest glimpse into the great mystery of our our Lord and Savior. Speaking of John Wesley, he said this, bring me a worm, (laughs) bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I'll show you a man that can comprehend the triune God. Amen. That's good. Oh, well put. Yeah. I don't wonder and, if anyone did that. And, <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, we have to understand that, yeah, 
it's a mystery for sure. We can't fully grasp it. And people try to use all these illustrations, you yeah. know, water and ice mm. and whatever. And the, the and egginess of God. And the egg. Oh, it, it, it's all horrible. That we, well, why is, do you think he said my yoke is light? There is nothing that we can do, you know. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Trinity. That's why people like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons will say, well, well then who was Jesus praying to when he was on the cross, right? Who was he praying to in John 17 when he... When he why don't we just deal with those because they're, they're things that I think yeah. are a stumbling block where Jesus said, uh, the Father is great. I go to the Father, sure. for the Father is greater than I. Jesus didn't know when the, when, when the second coming was, sure. et cetera. It's yeah, good. And, and, and those are answered in this way. You know, First of all, that misconception about the Trinity is something called modalism. Mm-hmm. And modalism is this, this false doctrine that God is one person who manifests himself in three different modes. So it's like a person who puts on different masks. He reveals himself in three different yeah. ways. So so the father is the son, the son is the spirit, the spirit is, so they're all one person, but he's just kind of revealing himself in these different modes, hence modalism. But that's not what we teach. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. Otherwise he's talking to himself, but he's not. Mm-hmm. God the son is talking to God the father. And, and that's the explanation there. When Jesus said the Father is greater than I, well, it says he was made a little while lower than the angels. So of course he, he came in that submissive role. He didn't know certain things. Well, remember, he, he emptied himself and came into the form of a man. And so he set aside access to certain things, Philippians 2. Mm. So the, those are all, but, but it's understanding that that opens people's eyes. Oh, okay, obviously we would be insane if we're talking about one person, but it's three distinct persons, one God, co-eternal, co-existent, I think this is a good place to mention, you, you mentioned one heresy. I think there's three common, there's a lot of common heresies. There's a lot of heresies, there's three common heresies. Yeah. You mentioned modalism, God revealing himself rather than being three distinct persons. Like I, I always said it, like an actor in a movie playing three different roles. Yeah. That is not no. Trinitarian theology. Right. There's tritheism, which is that they're not one God, but there are three gods. God the Father is one distinct God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're three different gods. Mormonism. Uh, yeah, Mormonism. There's uh, subordinationism, which is to deny the full equality of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is a common one that we see yeah. today. Yeah, and that was the other one, co-eternal, co-existent, and co-equal. In, in you know, G- we, we must drive this home, right? Jesus is not half human and half divine, right? And I, Sproul corrected MacArthur during a Q&A one time when MacArthur, and we say it all the time, I think a lot of us do, that uh, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And Sproul said, you know, let's remove that word when we are talking about Jesus, full as if, as if he can be filled up. Instead, let's replace it with truly. Mm. And MacArthur goes, yeah, I, I like that, right? Jesus is truly God and he is truly man. That's good. Right. And when we start using these different analogies to try to understand what the Trinity is, James White, he said, nothing else is like the Trinity, so no analogy can explain it. In fact, most analogies are more useful for explaining a heretical view of God than the Orthodox Trinitarian one. That's a very so James let's White remove that, right? So let's yeah. remove the ideas of, all right, so you have water and steam, and I, let's remove everything that we possibly can and stick only to scripture, what yeah. scripture has to say. The egginess of God. Yeah, and, and again, at the heart of it, no one denies the, the deity of the Father, obviously. It's Christ's deity that's denied, and then it's the personality of the Holy Spirit that's denied. As we've talked about Jehovah's Witnesses, we'll, we'll you know think of him as an impersonal force, but we'll look at some things in that regard. But here's one of the most powerful passages I've found on substantiating the deity of Christ. I'll usually ask Jehovah's Witnesses especially this. I'll say, well, let me ask you this. Who do you honor the Father as? And 
eventually they'll, they'll end up saying, well, obviously it's Jehovah. And then I'll, I'll take them to John 5, 21 to 23. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That all should honor the son just as they honor the father. Hmm. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. I mean, you just think about this, right? And I, I remember years ago studying this out. The word just is the word equally, and the word honor carries with it the idea of worship, that all in essence would worship the son equally as they worship the father. Who do we, I mean, again, think about this, a human being just saying this, no mere man, hey, honor me the way you honor God. Whoa! This to me is one of the most powerful proof texts of the deity of Christ. That's good. You know? And then, of course, when you start thinking about the, the Trinitarian formulas, you just think about what was involved in the Great Commission. All authority, Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name, singular, the name of the Father and then Lucifer's spirit brother or Michael the archangel and the Holy Spirit, some impersonal force. No way. The the, the Great Commission is one of the, the greatest demonstrations of the Trinitarian formula. Good. Uh, Tim Challies, if you want to kind of see where how much you understand and know of the Trinity, you can go to Tim Challies' website. It's really great, challies.com, and click on Take a Test on the Trinity. Maybe put it inside the search there. And he has 33 questions that he asks you to see how well you actually know the Trinity. I've really? done that before. And you've done it, yeah. I, I did it today. That's fun. Uh, my son gave me the test. He said, hey, make sure you mention that. So I did, and it's it's really great. A great shows. book. Um, I got a perfect <laughs> score, praise God. A great book, Delighting in the Trinity. I say this is a great book. Michael Reeves wrote this book. It really is incredible because, again, it, he, he pulls it down from Ivory Tower theology doctrine to really grow your affection for God. Three things that I remember in that book. One is he points out the reality that like, think about this. I became a father September 29th, actually just before that. I remember becoming a father when I first heard my kid's heartbeat in their mother's womb. Like that was the moment where I was like, I am a dad. God is the father. He always has been the father because of the Trinity before anything else was created. It is a part of his nature to be father. Think about this. We learn to love, right? We grow in love. But before the foundations, before anything was ever created, the alpha and omega was there within himself in the Trinity. God, the father had love for the son, the son for the father, and same with the Holy Spirit, which means God is, the Trinitarian God is the only God that you could say God is love. Hmm. Because any other God, he would have to create before he loved, but God had love before any creation ever was. He always has had love. We're thinking about this, at the heart of reality is community, or you can say community is at the heart of reality because God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit were always one together, which is also the reason why in creation, he says to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because community is at the center of all creation. So you see the Trinity has so much to do with all the longings of our heart for a God of love, for community, for a fatherly affection. All of those things are made true in a triune God. Amen. Well, that's good. 
Yeah, and then you, you, you see the Trinitarian formula again revealed in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where it says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Right. You know, again, it was understood in its heart and its nature and its essence. And, and so, and then, so finally, let me just wrap it up with the, with the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit's personality is brought into question. No, it's, it, he, you know, he's an impersonal force is often what people will say. But when you look at, you know, you look at different passages of scripture, you look at Acts chapter six the whole, or chapter five, the whole thing with Ananias and Sapphira and what Peter said there, it says, he said to them, what are you doing over there, Ray Comfort? Oh, uh, showing a picture of the skunk on my bike. Oh yeah, very applicable to what we're talking about. <laughs> But a certain man named Ananias Fire and his wife sold the possession, kept back part of it, and it goes on. It says, but Peter in verse three said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Hmm. While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, it was not in your own control. Why have you conceived in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So in the first part, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you didn't oh, lie to man, good. but to God. I like that. And so here we see the personality of the Holy Spirit who can be lied to, but then we also see that he's, he's referred to as God. Yeah. Acts 16. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So we see the Spirit here forbidding, not permitting. I mean, th- this is not stuff that's done by an impersonal force. Mm. And so... It's just so important that we, we recognize that. And, and even in Acts 13, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. How can an impersonal force say, I've called them and set apart and speak and so on and so That's forth? so good. And so friends, we can go on and on talking about the Trinity and the persons within the Trinity, but I think, I think we, we gave a good sense of it. And again, as we tell you guys again and again, please, please be Bereans, examine the scriptures and be committed to them. Ray's closing his eyes now. I'm getting ready for you to pray or something at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it up, you crazy Arab. I'm tired of this. Yeah. So, uh, but Ray. I don't think mind reading is a very godly thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, he's pretty good. (laughs) But I did it anyway. So there you have it, friends. Again, make sure to check out Tough Questions. That will help you apologetically in the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. Go on the different platforms, whether it's Spotify or it's Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating, a comment, share it. Thank you guys so much, by the way, because of you guys' faithful listening, this podcast is rarely charting in the top 100. And that is because of you guys, the fact that you, you come on and you listen to these episodes. I don't know why you do it, but you do it. And we're really thankful and encouraged by you. Yeah, very, very much so. So thank you so much, friends, for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea where... what we're doing. Oh, I thought we were going to do it together. Let's do it. Where we have no idea what we're doing. What, what, what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> case, case in point. Yes. See you next time. What we're doing.
Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.